Welcome everyone to another episode of Mission Daily. Today's guest is Maeve O'Meara, the CEO of Castlight Health. Maeve is an incredible person and she started at Castlight as a product manager. And from there, she worked her way up, navigated the ranks, led an incredible $130 million acquisition and integration, uh, spearheaded marketing, sales, product. I mean, the list goes on and on. This is a fantastic episode to get the ins and outs of not only how to get your foot in the door at a fast growing company, but then rise through the ranks to become CEO or whatever you want to be. So enjoy. And you'll also get a behind the scenes look at the healthcare industry and some of the exciting things that Castlight is doing in the space. Enjoy. Time to pay the creatives and media makers at Mission. We couldn't do it without a world-class sponsor and ally whose services we use, Trinet. As a business owner, you can't be afraid to outsource what you're not good at. I'm a creative who gets paid to talk, but there is a lot I'm not good at, like complex HR issues. That's why I outsource my HR challenges to the experts at Trinet. Their experts in software help us at Mission with payroll, benefits, compliance, and more. And Trinet offers full-service HR solutions tailored to your industry. Whether your team is 10 people or 1,000, Trinet has you covered. Help support Mission Daily and check out Trinet for your HR needs today. Maeve, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So where are you calling in from today? I am in San Francisco today. Awesome. So you are at the offices of Castlight, I assume, and I would love for you to tell listeners about Castlight and your role there. Sure. So Castlight's a company that's using technology to help people better navigate healthcare. The problem that we're trying to solve is just the fact that it's so difficult for people to make good healthcare decisions. We continue to hear how people struggle to figure out whether they're in the right plan, what care they actually need, what their plan will cover, whether they're going to a good doctor, what it will cost. So all of these things make it incredibly difficult for people to have comfort and confidence that they're doing the right things for their own health. So what we're doing is applying machine learning to empower consumers with deeply personalized, timely guidance to make better health decisions. Ultimately, this results in lower costs, improved outcomes, and a better experience. Yeah, I think what's interesting is uh, difficult is kind of an understatement when we start talking about navigating the healthcare space and as a consumer making the best choice. It always feels like no matter how hard you try, you're always making a suboptimal choice, right? The research is changing. There's like this latest news on this. And I think what's cool is with some of the machine learning and things that Castlight's doing, it's finally like technology is going to be able to help inform, you know, all the independent research that folks are always doing themselves. Absolutely. I think that you're comments nailed exactly what we hear from our users, which is really hitting upon the fact that so few people would share that they have confidence. About 70% of employees say that they don't understand their benefits and don't believe that they're making good health decisions. So ultimately, what we're working to do is bring together that data in the context of both your personal health challenges or opportunities, but then applying that in the context of the plan design that you have either from your employer or directly from a health plan. Right. And one of the things I know when I was doing some prep for this interview that I think is fascinating and I really love is that you started at Castlight as a product manager back in 2010 or so. I did. Yes. And what's awesome is I think so often people fall into the trap of thinking like, 
I have to be a CEO or I have to start a company or found a company instead of just you know owning one of the most important roles in the early stages, which is being a PM. How did you go about landing that opportunity? And what was it like in the early days of Castlight? Gosh, yes, it's it's funny to have been somewhere 10 years at this point. So for me, you know, what really attracted me to Castlight was the mission. So ultimately, you know, I just really believed in what the company was trying to do. And because it was such a big problem, I believed it would be a big market opportunity. And then the team at that time, the founder, Giovanni Colella, it was just a phenomenal group of people. So when I joined, it was about 25 people. And it's actually interesting, you mentioned kind of coming in as a PM. I was very determined to join the company as PM because ultimately, I believed that being a builder and being really close to our end user and to our customers would allow me to really both contribute to the company and grow overall. And so it's kind of an interesting story. When I first applied to Castlight in the product management role, I was summarily rejected. And so didn't even get an interview because of you know not having yet really had a ton of experience in product management. So persevered and managed to actually get into the company. But it is kind of funny. I was very excited to work in product and be a builder, but was rejected the first time around. I think, yeah, that's the hallmark of all great stories, right? Like multiple rejections at first. But it's a skill to, I think, push past that, you know, drop the ego and go in again and make another ask. So I assume you did. And how'd you get your foot in the door there as a PM? You know, I think I just got a little bit lucky in that at that time, the company was still so early stage. So there were, as I mentioned, you know, 20 to 30 people in the company. And so there were a lot of changes happening there. And at the time, I got connected to a classmate from Stanford who was working at the company who helped me talk to the right people and really explain my case for being a product manager. It's interesting because I've watched a lot of evolution just in the field of product management over 10 years, particularly as technology has become more and more important in every company. And I think the role of product management has evolved from one that I think was conceived of as purely technical, you know, probably 10 to 20 years ago, to one that is deeply rooted in strategy today. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Are there any favorite examples you have of product management training programs? You know, is it the APM program at Google? You know, what did you study to kind of master that first role? Well, I think that I just really benefited from some great mentors. There's been a lot of people at Castlight who had many more years of product experience than I did. I've done many of the the workshops and certainly benefited from those, but I don't think there's any real replacement for kind of on the job training and really finding those mentors. I think that, you know, the things that I think about just from a, what did I learn over time being a product manager, you know, early on, particularly at an early digital health company, I think I had a hard time understanding what's the difference between a feature versus a product versus a company. Mm -hmm. So understanding the scale of the problem you're trying to solve. So an example of that in, it was probably around 2014, 2015, I was really passionate about behavioral health and it was becoming very clear that behavioral health has a significant impact on people's physical health. And, you know, we saw a lot of opportunity to use our data to help people connect with primary care and better leverage their EAP. And, you know, in the course of that, we invested quite a bit in building out a product, which we're really proud of that product. But over the course of the year plus that we were building it, it just became incredibly clear that this was actually 
actually a company. And over time, more and more companies have entered this space, you know, certainly before then. But, you know, as you probably know, it's a very important topic that many people are starting companies in. But at that time, calibrating on feature versus product versus company was something that I just really didn't have the experience in. And the second thing I would just comment that has been interesting for me from a learning curve perspective is, you know, working at Castlight's a B2B to C company in that we sell to employers or health plans and our ultimate user are people who are consuming healthcare. And it's an incredible challenge to balance the B and the C. And very often your buyer's voice can override the voice of the end user. Absolutely. So I've certainly been thinking a lot about how do we always ensure that the voice of the consumer is represented. And I think, you know, over the years, I've gotten a little better at that. I wasn't great at it at the beginning. And a huge amount of that is the data centricity of how you orient product development. That's fascinating. So yeah, speaking from a personal lens here, that's what we're how we're structuring a media company, which is B2B to C model. And I think what's great about those companies is that while really tough to crack initially, you know, getting that balance right, over time they become very defensible. And, you know, obviously having a whole bunch of businesses as clients is a great strategy. What led you and the executive team to structure Castlight in that B2B to C model? Yeah, it's a great question. So 10 years ago, when we were first starting the company, one of the most significant hurdles or challenges that we faced was access to data. And we were really open to, we could work with health plans, we could work with employers. What we saw is that there was a group of really innovative Vanguard employers who are in many ways, you know, some of the largest payers of healthcare in the country who really wanted to be able to provide these services to their employees. And, you know, for us, getting access to data and enough data at scale to be able to apply the machine learning to actually determine, you know, what a MRI or lab would cost was critical. So therefore, for it was necessary for us to partner either with employers or health plans to actually access that data to create that experience for the member. So, you know, many of us wanted to go directly to the end user, but because of the way that healthcare is delivered, primarily through employers, it made more sense for us to start there with the idea that that would allow us to have greater access to data and therefore deliver a higher quality experience. And when Castle was getting rolling, how did you go about constructing, kind of getting business development rolling and some of those partnerships that are you know, critical to get revenue in the door? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we've had certainly kind of starts and stops in that, um, certainly in the early days. So for us, there was this set of very innovative employers who really believed in what we were doing. And so they, you know, were really advocated for us to work with them. So, you know, getting buyers on the employer side, I don't want to say it wasn't challenging, but I think the value proposition was just so incredibly clear. I mean, at that time, our solution was really focused around transparency and communicating to employers and looking at their data and saying, you know, there's a 10 to 12x variance in some of your major markets on, you know, what people pay as an example for labs or imaging was a really powerful driving force for them to say, we've got to do something about this. It was also at a time when people were moving to full replacement high deductible health plans or just introducing them more generally. And so there was a desire in the context of introducing high
high deductible health plans to give their employees better solutions. And then we really had to partner with the employers to talk to plans about them sharing that data with us to allow us to provide that experience. So that was a lot of our focus on business development. And, you know, for me, having kind of taken several tours of duty in different roles across the company, I did spend time in business development, really trying to think about how do we create a shared value proposition for a plan to work with us to deliver shared innovation that will help them establish market leadership in their particular market. So that was a a big way that we approached it was to think about how does it actually benefit not only the employer, but the plan to partner with us. Sure. And Maeve, as I look at the different roles that you've held at Castlate, you know, obviously we're looking back now so we can apply the narrative fallacy maybe, but it seems like you've been really, really strategic with selecting and making sure that you get you know, experiences in product management, business development, but also, you know, product marketing, were those all strategically sought? Or did you just have you always been curious and, you know, just want to see like how every part of a business functions? Well, I wish that I could say that I have been deeply strategic. That is definitely not the case. You know, for me, what I've tried to guide most of my career decisions is really go where the fire is or go where you're needed. And joining product was certainly just an incredible opportunity because it was right when we were really standing up the first solution and the first product. And I mean, I can't say enough for how much I learned getting to be a direct product manager. It was before we even had a QA team. So incredible on the ground learning. My experience is moving to business development. That was at a time where we were having challenges forming partnerships to access data. And so bringing the product perspective and how do we create value for each was why I went there. You know, I joined marketing at a time where there was a need to have greater product knowledge in the field as our product was getting more complicated. My roles kind of in account management and customer experience were at a time when we were bringing together two companies. We had acquired GIF, which is a well-being company, and really being able to communicate the shared product vision. So there's definitely never been... (laughs) I wish that there had been some kind of strategic plan. But for me, you know, it's always been go where you can provide the most value. Wise words. And I think what's interesting, too, about the GIF acquisition is, uh, so it was a large acquisition, $135 million. How did you go about integrating that? And what type of challenges did it provide you when you were in marketing and then as the chief product officer? Yeah, how'd you go about integrating that? Yeah, well, I'll speak just first a little bit about the thesis, which was, you know, at the time that we decided to add well-being to our platform, we had really had kind of two product chapters at Castlight. So we had started with transparency, and then we had built out a personalization engine, which at that time, this is probably 2015 was pretty disruptive in terms of leveraging information on people's health to reach out and proactively engage them to connect them to a provider or program. And what we were realizing was that when people used us, we were getting really great results, but it was incredibly difficult to stay top of mind. And we were thinking a lot about trust of when you're asking people to trust you with their healthcare decisions, it's hard to do that in your very first interaction with them. So there were a number of reasons that we believed that adding well-being 
routine would allow us to meet people earlier in their health journey, develop trust, develop relationships, and then also help us stay more top of mind by providing support for what things along the lines of steps, food, sleep, you know, all of the kind of things that can help people maintain and improve their well-being on a day-to-day basis. And so that was really the thesis. And when it came to figuring out, well, what's the right company to do that? The reason that we decided to buy GIF was that we really liked their approach to well-being and that it was ultimately about saying there's always going to be innovation and well-being. It's about how do you bring best-in-class vendors and really leverage the developments in the digital health ecosystem to the greatest, to the most impact. And so for that reason, Shift's entire approach was bringing together different point digital health solutions and not a content-based approach. One thing I think a lot about well-being is there really are no barriers to entry. So therefore, you want an open platform that allows you to capitalize on whoever's doing a particular area uh, best. And so that was the reason that we chose GIF. And absolutely, it was an incredible learning experience. And it was incredibly difficult bringing the two companies together to be totally candid. I have yet to meet anybody who's gone through a merger who has (laughs) told me it's easy. I I am eager to find that person. And... (laughs) I don't know if I trust their judgment, though. Yes. <laughs> trust what they say there. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, it was it was hard. I mean, bringing together the platforms, there were different levels of maturity. There was overlap in capabilities. There's the building trust between teams. It taught me a lot. And frankly, I'm sure I did quite a few things wrong in that process. I'm really proud of where we ended. I do think our solution is stronger for it. But, you know, like many companies, I do think that we definitely underestimated how difficult it would be to bring those two platforms together. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about that acquisition as well is that well-being, you know, you described it very accurately there where there's no barrier to entry. And so you have a lot of people in the space that almost seems like a great content marketing engine and just a great marketing thesis in general, right? Well-being seems to be the top of the funnel for the space where uh, users are willing to take a recommendation maybe or get some more information. How are you thinking about bringing in new businesses and getting the word out to consumers? What's your marketing strategy like now? Our marketing strategy to new employers and health plans? Yeah, employers. And then I don't know if you're actively marketing towards consumers as well, or if it's just straight to businesses. Consumer, because you actually highlighted effectively a big part of the thesis behind GIF and how we drive engagement, which was we didn't believe in a bland content, you know, one size fits all approach. But ultimately, when you think about the data that we're sitting on, we do know for our population, if you take a given customer, we effectively are scoring on a daily basis all of the population in terms of what conditions they have, what they might be at risk for. And then it's really about bringing machine learning, big data and marketing, right? Like this is ultimately how do you actually give those recommendations to people? So to your point, one of the opportunities that we saw in bringing together GIF was Castlight's always been this incredibly data rich company. And we really had and leverage that data in an effective way to leverage well-being content in a hyper-personalized way to bring people in and then connect them 
either with a provider or digital health solution or a deeper piece of content. So that's really a big part of how we attract users and continue to engage users is that hyper-personalized content, which typically links to some form of recommendation. And so in terms of, you know, our value prop to employers, it's also something that's matured quite a bit over time. The original vision of the company was how do we help people navigate healthcare very specifically in the area of transparency. So helping people understand both cost and quality information. Over time, it's been how do you help people navigate on a much broader, more personalized basis, including a much more holistic look at people's health. And so when we're actually talking to employers, you know, ultimately, it's very, navigation is the word that they use to describe what we do. And the way that they're measuring value or thinking about success is, are you able to engage and delight members? Are you able to drive a set of behavior changes, which is typically increasing utilization of their benefits and programs? getting people the right care, and then getting them to the right provider. And then ultimately, that generating a hard medical cost savings ROI. So I share that because the value prop and where people are emphasized varies depending on the employer. Some people are very focused on providing an easier, more convenient, delightful experience where others really are looking for hard medical cost savings. And so for us over time, we know we, in partnership with our existing employers, stood up this value framework to really demonstrate the ability to move multiple levers. But I think of it as ultimately, you know, the value proposition being that we can make it easier for your employees to navigate healthcare and we can guarantee you medical cost savings in doing that. Hey, everybody. We're taking a time out to thank Trinet for sponsoring independent media like Mission Daily. If there's one thing I am about, and in fact, one thing the whole mission team is about, you know that it's accelerated learning. One of the ways I do that is by learning from the best. When it comes to learning about HR, the team and resources Trinet provides are my go-to source. I got started with some of Trinet's free e-guides at trinet.com slash e-guide. You can too. It's never been easier to get briefed on how to outsource your HR, grow and scale effectively, offer the benefits that matter to your team, and win the war for talent. Start learning from the best and get one of Trinet's free e-guides at trinet.com slash e-guide. Thanks, Trinet, for sponsoring Mission Daily. When you have gone about building culture, recruiting, trying to retain employees and motivate your teams, have any philosophies really stood out to you? What are some of your biggest lessons learned there? Yes, I'm one of those. Now, I think probably most leaders are this way where, you know, without team, there's nothing. And so the motto at Castlate has been one team on a mission making things happen. So mission orientation is definitely a very big part of the culture at Castlate. And so every year at our holiday party, specifically for my teams and now for the company, we've always talked about three questions that people ask themselves at the end of the year or that I ask myself at the end of the year, which is, am I doing something that's worth doing? So is this a fight worth fighting? Am I doing it with people that I love? Am I doing it with people I respect, that I learn from? And then finally, am I succeeding? And so, you know, we've talked about that a lot as a company of how can we make sure that every employee is able to answer yes to those questions. 
And, you know, because Castlight has been, it's interesting to kind of talk about it as an older organization, but, you know, it is a decade plus organization now, which is older for digital health. And, you know, one of the things I've talked a lot about is how do we actually find joy in the journey? Because changing healthcare is you know, a difficult nonlinear path. And we have to be able to actually find the joy and the progress that we are making every day. Um, So that's something else that, you know, we talk a lot about with the team. And, you know, finally, I would just say for us, one of the words that we always hear both from existing employees and exit interviews, you know, from everyone is always that Castlight is mission and then family. So that's something that we talk a lot about too. And it's been interesting this year as we've opened our Salt Lake City office, One of the things we want to be really intentional about is, you know, having that same culture in Salt Lake City and also ensuring that we've, one of our values has always been diversity and inclusion. And I think being really intentional to ensure that we have that same culture in Salt Lake City is really important in this year. That's exciting. And with all of that expansion, are you able to balance personal life and work life? Do you feel like they're just fully integrated at this point? How are you approaching your mental health and and having a personal life while being CEO of a fast-growing company? Yeah, well, I mean, I certainly, I mean, I guess my first answer would be it's hard. I think that balancing work life and personal life is always a challenge. And I think I've gotten better as I've gotten older. Um, And so the biggest key for me, honestly, is that I have a deeply supportive husband who makes me better at my job and better at my life. So I think he's really been a phenomenal balance to me to ensure that I prioritize the right things. But, you know, I would be the first to say that this is hard to do. Definitely. Yeah, that's, I think, the understatement of the century. So yeah, hats off <laughs> to you for doing that. Have there been any mentors or investors or partners or really anybody in the space that you feel like you've learned a lot from? And if so, you know, what have some of those lessons been? Absolutely. I mean, I've been lucky, honestly, my entire career to have great mentors starting at Bain, working in venture capital, and then at Castlight. So I feel very fortunate that there's, I have a very large set of people that I call upon early and often to support me. So some of the people that I would mention, you know, so our founder, Giovanni Colella, has been incredibly impactful, certainly to me and more broadly to the company. He always talked about one of the lessons I took from him was, you know, that he wants Castlight to be the best professional experience of your career. And it certainly has been for me. And I always think about how do we actually do that for all of our employees and how do we keep that alive? It's something people say quite a bit at Castlight. So he's had a tremendous impact on me just in terms of starting the company and helping me think about culture as a defining trait of the company, not just something that's exists, but something that you work on and is absolutely critical to your growth. I'm very fortunate to have a couple of board members, particularly as I've stepped into the CEO role, who have you know picked up every phone call and been deeply supportive. And so really in different ways, certainly helping me with recruiting and you know, understanding how to make difficult decisions quickly. And, you know, both of them have different skill sets. So Ed Park, who founded Athena Health and is the CEO of Devoted, has a technical and sales background. So he's been incredibly helpful to me in a lot of the work that I've done. And then David Singer, who's been an investor for quite a period of time, but really just has perspective on the overall industry. So I'm very fortunate to be surrounded by a lot of people who have, frankly, created a lot of time to help me. And I think what's interesting to kind of focus in on there is like, if you're getting that type of great help and support from a collection of mentors, like it's generally something that is 
earned over a period of, you know, this case, like a decade or more, you know, throughout your career, how do you think you went about kind of fostering that trust and building those relationships so that when you did call, people were excited to pick up the phone and keep helping? You know, I think that it's probably, I'll speak to the set that I mentioned that have really been related to Castlight that, you know, we've been on this mission for so long and it's, you know, I sometimes refer to it as the cause, but, <laughs> you know, it's just been, I think that when people can see when your interest is so, I don't want to say pure, but is, you know, we've just got such a big problem that we're trying to solve. And it's been difficult and there's been ups and downs, but we've made a tremendous amount of progress. And so, you know, it's never felt or been artificial in any interaction. It's always been genuinely, I have a problem to solve. I think you can help me. So, you know, that's really the way that I've developed relationships has been just, you know, it's typically with, in the case of mentors, people who care deeply about the same problem and therefore care deeply about helping you solve that problem. So I think that's the core. I definitely have never felt like it's relationship building for the sake of relationship building. It's always, you know, we've been united in trying to bring our mission to life. Sure. And for other CEOs, executives, I know there's a lot of technical folks that listen to this podcast. Is there any advice you have for folks that maybe want to pursue a similar path of getting into a great role at a company and rising through the ranks into a leadership position? I mean, I think that ultimately, in terms of kind of expanding the role, I think solving and being willing to fight in the hardest problem, so go where it's hard. I don't think it helps your work-life balance always, but I think going where the fire is, is generally kind of my number one advice. And then in terms of as you step into new roles, you know, I'll just speak to the experience of stepping into the CEO role. You know, I really helped me. I had a 100-day plan and I really force-ranked what do I need to do? And was really pretty obsessive, frankly, about looking and making sure that my time aligned on what my most critical priorities were. I think there's so many temptations to do things that you want to do and are great things to do, but just frankly, you can't afford to do. And so having that 100-day list or 100-day plan and that ranked priority list and then really ensuring that how you're spending your working hours aligns with that, I think has helped me really, I think, demonstrate impact early on roles, which I believe is critical to then setting you up for success in them. And then finally, I would say, you know, to me as a manager, you're only as good as your team. People are everything. And if you build a great team, good things happen. So putting in the time there, I think similarly, good teams don't just happen. I mean, how you recruit, how you retain. I certainly spend the majority of my time there. So I think really having that understanding that you are your team is the thing that actually allowed me when I reflect on my time at Castlight. I mean, that's why I'm where I am anyway. I love that. And when it comes to recruiting, what's your favorite way of getting a cold email or getting an introduction to someone? What have been some of the best ways that you found for recruiting talent at Catholic? Gosh, I mean, recruiting is very quickly a full-time job because you're always recruiting. So, you know, when I think about personal references and really having the company spend time thinking about their networks is something that we ask of all of our employees. And, you know, for me, it's also, you know, when I think about the actual recruiting process, you know, there's always an asymmetry of information on both the part of the candidate as well as, as the hiring manager. So for me, you know, I always force rank, what are the capabilities that I need 
in this role in order, and then establishing the panel around how can we assess this, and then quickly trying to get signal, because I do believe similarly, recruiting time kills all deals. So really trying to ensure that you have the ability to understand, does this person have the capabilities? Is it a good fit on both sides? And being able to align that panel and move quickly. So I don't know if I answered your question directly outside of to say I spend a huge amount of time thinking about how to recruit effectively. And certainly there's the kind of pipeline generation, which I think is best done by your employees. But then I think there's the execution within the interview process of really being crystal clear on what is must have versus nice to have from a capability set and establishing a panel that can both get signal, determine that, and be selling while they're doing it in order to drive to quick decision-making. No, I love that. Yeah, that's really, really cool conceptually to lay out there. Maeve, what's a question that you wish people would ask about Castlight, but no one seems to ask or even know to ask, especially businesses maybe who are thinking about, you know, evaluating tools or thinking about Castlight versus another something that they think is comparable? Now, one of the things I reflect on a lot is indisputably, we're able to save employers money and improve employees' experience with healthcare. And, you know, we're still very much in that phase of market creation, right? So, you know, when we when an employer chooses not to go with Castlight, it's typically no decision. It's, you know, sometimes competitive, but that's not our most common scenario. So I guess when I think about, you know, what question should you should people be asking you know there's so many benefits to an employer to have a navigation solution and castlight specifically that i guess the question you know i guess the, the real question is why would you not do this because you have an opportunity to you know directly benefit your employees and help them make better health decisions and save your organization money, you know, health benefits is typically the third biggest spend item for a company. Um, So it's a really powerful value proposition. And so, you know, the question, I guess, I'm just thinking out loud that I wish people would ask. I think that, as I said, you know, one of the questions that I think that we don't get asked enough is really, what do you do today? Castlight is very much known for trailblazing transparency. And the company has changed dramatically in 10 years, but because of its early success and transparency, which is a key part of what we do today, it's not always understood that, you know, what Castlight's doing is ultimately helping people navigate their benefits in healthcare more broadly and has incredibly powerful results. Results, um, which is not something that we had 10 years ago. So I think, you know, the question that I wish that people would ask and spend time on is, you know, what's changed? Because quite a bit has changed. And I really believe that there's an opportunity to help many people with their health decisions. And I'm excited to do that. Definitely. And if we think about, you know, your learning routine, maybe, or what are you doing for to kind of recharge outside of work, I would love to hear a little bit about you know, how are you staying fit, keeping your you know, body and mind sharp? And what type of content, whether it's books or podcasts or originals, are you enjoying? Yeah. So, you know, kind of number one for me is certainly spending time with family and friends. I do love to be active and it's probably the biggest reason I live in the Bay Area. So you can usually find me running on Chrissy Field or cycling in Marin. My treats to myself are weekend ski or surf trips. So I love to be 
I've been active since I was a kid and it's definitely the way that I preserve my mental health. So love doing that. In terms of, you know, one of the things that I have gotten much more into since kind of stepping into this role is kind of getting back into reading specifically. I've read a lot of military leadership and presidential biographies. So, you know, over the past kind of couple of months, I read Washington, which was, you know, a, just a great story of, you know, kind of coming against odds in some cases. I've also read American Caesar, which is about Douglas MacArthur and the Pacific Theater. I recently read Churchill, A Life, which was great. But yeah, so I'm a pretty big reader. Churchill's story is... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, he, yeah. He, didn't, he didn't have an emphasis on healthcare. I don't know how he did it though, with, yeah. uh, with everything. Yeah. Well, I may need to send you this book afterward. It had a huge impact on me. But yeah, that, that one in particular is great. But yeah, so I mean, you know, I would say that it's friends and family. It's being active and it's reading about real life stories and understanding that, you know, it's just the exposure to other people's challenges and how they handled and, and learned from them that has actually really gotten me thinking about how do I handle challenges? and how do I develop resilience? Wise words. So maybe for anyone listening, maybe there's someone out there right now that's getting their BA at the University of Virginia or someone at (laughs) GSB that's thinking about, you know, what am I going to do for my career? Is there any kind of like broad advice or maybe call to action you have for younger folks out there? Yeah. So, you know, I guess like my general thoughts there are kind of number one, I have always felt really fortunate to have the privilege of purpose. And so I don't believe that healthcare is the easiest industry to work in, but I have always loved having a mission orientation. And so that's a decision that I made a long time ago, but one that I continue to feel really glad that I can be in a business that is trying to do something audacious, hard, but really important to people. So it's obviously a personal decision, but it's something I'm really glad I did. The second would be just around the criticality of technology. Technology is changing every business. It's not just technology businesses. And I see that in so many ways from our customers to our partners and just having that technology skill set and understanding of technology makes you incredibly helpful in it to a very wide variety of organizations. So clearly I'm a little bit biased here, but I think really having a technology background or working in technology, regardless of what field you want to end up in, I think gives you a significant, valuable perspective to bring to the table. You know, and then my third is really kind of that piece about go to the fire. And within technology companies, I've always felt that getting to be a builder is, you know, an opportunity that I'm so grateful I had. I think it makes me a much better leader than I would have been if I really didn't understand what it took to build a product. And I think everyone has different skill sets. But if that is something that you kind of feel a draw to, having spent the time, you know, and not being afraid to kind of go back. When I was trying to break into product management out of GSB, it was much harder for me to get a product management role as evidenced by my rejection from Castlight than it was to get a business development role or something more similar to my skill set. And I really was willing to take whatever role was available at whatever cost. So I think also thinking about life is long. People always talk about life being short. It's also long. And making some of these short-term, taking a more junior role, you know, all of those things, I think really pay off in the long-term. I love that. Maeve, thank you so much for being generous with your time. This has been an awesome interview and we are excited to continue to watch Castlight grow 
and see you continue to lead as CEO. That's great. And thanks for taking the time. Thank you for being such a lovely interviewer. Oh, all good. Thank you. Thanks so much. Take care. As the founder of a growing media business, there are two things I need. Less worry, leads, and more confidence. It wasn't until I got confident about outsourcing my HR to Trinet that I was able to reduce my worry. Once I reduced my worries about HR compliance, I was able to sleep better, literally. If you want to get more confident with HR, check out Trinet today. Your team deserves a leader who isn't worried about stuff they should be outsourcing to the professionals. Now, I outsource my HR challenges to the professionals at Trinet, and I couldn't be happier. Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word, and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.